welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm here with Shandu and Elise Perry to talk about her new book, Perspective. Thanks for joining us, Elise. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a great read. Um, do you want to... Uh, <laughs> I, um, I found it a really fascinating um, take on your time, um, relatively short time, in at the uh, very elite level of sport in two different sports. So I think um, there's a lot that you can teach people. Uh, but at the same time, at the very beginning of the book, you talk about how you don't really... You're not arrogant enough to think that people would actually interpret this as self-help. <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about what... what Drew you to write the book? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, I was really fortunately approached by HarperCollins to, to write a book. And um, I must be honest, initially I was pretty um, reticent to, to do anything like that, especially, I guess, along the lines of probably more of a hard and fast autobiography. I, um, yeah, I wasn't yeah that excited about, I suppose, a whole big life story. Um, but we sort of got chatting and, um, you know, spoke about some different concepts and one of the big things, um, you know, that I, I certainly feel really passionate about but also really fortunate to have to have done is had this um, experience playing sport and um, we sort of spoke about how there's not a huge amount of female athlete books out there. So um, the opportunity to write something, um, you know, probably more along the lines of things that I've picked up along the way in the last decade or so and um, people that have been really influential um you know in my career and and also probably just like things that I think are really important to um the way that I go about things so um yeah it's certainly not meant to be a catalogue of uh advice giving but um (laughs) yeah it's just sort of like in a selfish way a way of me to put down a lot of my thoughts around um you know how I've wanted to play sport and it was a really nice process in the end yeah and can you tell us a bit about the structure for people, obviously, at, listening at home, won't mm-hmm. necessarily be able to see it. Um, yeah. It is a beautiful, it's full It's got colour. my big melon on the front <laughs> of it, yeah. your big melon on the front. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautifully produced, hardcover. But um, tell us about the inside. How did you, how did you actually, um, the structure of the book come together? Yeah, so the structure essentially is just a collection of, of essays. So each chapter has a, a title, um, Wow, <laughs> I'm blowing. Um, <laughs> each chapter has a, you know, basically a one-word title, and um, each of those those words is quite significant to me in one way or another. And then I was sort of just writing about that, um, you know, probably more in essay form than anything. Um, and yeah, that's basically the structure of the book throughout. And I gather from um, early on in the book, you talk about how um, you still remember all the chapter titles of Susie O'Neill's <laughs> book. Was she a big influence yeah. in writing this one? Um, yeah, in a lot of ways. I, she's certainly um, one of my, my favourite athletes and um, I absolutely loved watching Susie compete. And I remember mum um, passing on her book when I was quite young and just going through it and a lot of it was probably in similar vein around, you know, the way that she went about things, how she thought about sport and her own competition, but, you know, teammates and um, people that had helped her out and the way that she'd prepare and all those kinds of things. So um, I really enjoyed that book and I suppose, yeah, in a lot of ways I, I wanted to do something reasonably similar. I mean, it definitely comes through in, in your book about um, how important your teammates are to you and that it's not just about know colleagues someone you work with but actually really wanting them to be friends and people that you'll actually know for the rest of your life not just for this time that you might be playing um on that on that team with them so you had some like kind of talked about some interesting experiences that you've had with your teammates is there a particular one that uh, you can share with us from the book um oh yes I, i guess there's so many and it's funny like um 
I think all the games that I've played have really turned into a bit of a blur. Um, whereas I think the things that you remember along the way um, are certainly like those little moments that just creep up on you. Um, you know, like stuff as simple as, um, you know, I guess doing a recovery session um, in India and ending up like being in the pool for like four hours with one another doing races and mucking <laughs> around and like just um, enjoying each other's company and sort of almost feeling like school kids again. Um, yeah, we played a game before that that recovery session. I have no idea what happened in that game or who we played against, but um, you sort of remember the, the moments you share with one another. So, yeah, it's been a big part of uh, my experience over the last 10 years and it was kind of nice to think about a few of those things and write it down. And uh, there's a song that you talk about being a song that you've probably sung more than any other <laughs> song. Some people may be surprised yeah, that what that might the be. The quintessential <laughs> Australian. Yeah, Australian anthem, uh, You're the Voice by John Farnham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't sing it. I'm more like off-key scream it. But, um, yeah, it's one of our, our favourite go-tos, um, particularly after we might have a bit of success. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> And I mean, the team element is um, really interesting, I think, in light of the fact that you were terrified to compete in athletics when it was yeah. just you, um, I gather. Yeah. <laughs> so was that, do you think it's, it's, it's teamwork that allowed you to get to this level? Uh, oh, yeah, certainly. Um, I think, you know, I remember back at school, any time we had an athletics carnival or a cross-country cross carnival, um, you know, or swimming, like... I suppose I was sort of one of the sporty kids, so there was this expectation that I'd I'd go and compete, and um, I just used to hate it. I just felt so isolated and on my own, and like everyone else was against you almost when you'd line up. Um, whereas the great thing about team sport is that you you've got you know a bunch of people around you, you've all got a common goal, you're all working together, and you know whether you're successful or not, you share those experiences. So um, yeah, it's a huge part of why I play sport, um, and yeah, a reason why I probably gravitated towards team sports as well. Yeah. Um, so one of the concepts you talk about in this book is the concept of belief rather than confidence. Yep. Um, which I found really interesting and really true, I think, to experiences far beyond sport. Um, that, and oh, well, I'll leave you to explain it because I think <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. I guess the idea around belief um, versus confidence, for me anyway, the way I think about it is that I think confidence is is quite um, fleeting. It's one of those things that comes and goes. Um, you know, to talk specifically about sport or cricket. You know, like one day I could feel really confident. Um, you know, when I'm batting and I'm hitting the ball well, and it comes off the bat nice, and you just feel great, and you feel like whoever's bowling to you you know you can go okay um whereas i think um you know that ebbs and flows every day like some days you just feel a little bit like oh gosh i don't know if i know how to bat anymore whereas <laughs> um belief for me is probably like this deep-seated notion of like truly believing in yourself and knowing that regardless of how confident you're feeling at the time or you know where you're at you'll find a way to um do what you want to do or achieve what you want to achieve um and I think that's sort of probably been an undercurrent to anything that I've tried to do is that at some level I think I believe I'm capable of doing it. Um, you know, some days I'm more confident about doing it than others, but um, at the same time, you know, I believe in it enough to be able to turn up, I guess. Mm. Do you 
it's really uh, the the book reads in a really interesting way where you're obviously a competitive person because you've got to this level of sport yeah. but at the same time a lot of that really obvious competitive things that you could have done throughout your career and in your earlier years um, don't seem to be present in your personality like like the fact that you didn't like individual sport you've always wanted to go after team sport um, you've always you know what you seem to be driven by is something a bit different to pure competition do you think that's true? Yeah, um, yeah, maybe to an extent. I, I don't really like measuring myself against other people, if that makes sense. Like, sure, like, it, you know, sport by by its very nature at an elite level is about competition and competing and um, trying to win things. But I think in a lot of ways I'm probably more competitive with myself and trying to be better at things. And I probably derive a lot more motivation and satisfaction out of training and the challenge of trying to get better at something than I do about you know going out and seeing how I compare to someone else um yeah I think that's just always been my way I, I think I just like the process of things more so than I guess the pure outcome yeah and do you think I mean you mentioned a lot you sort of talk quite a bit about how great your family were when you were growing up and how they were really supportive in the exact right kind of way that you want parents to be whether they'll help you do what you want but they weren't pushing you and so do you feel like that they've had that kind of that influence sort of on you as well oh amazingly so absolutely um you know and i hope you know one day down the track when, when we have kids i'm half as supportive as what as what they were but i think that just the blend there it was always about if i was doing it i was doing it because i enjoyed it and um was you know driving some level of satisfaction and learning something from it it wasn't about um you know, if I did it, then it made mum and dad feel good or it made them feel proud or whatever it was. Fulfilled their dream yeah, or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, that that's always rung true to me because I think um, it's made a big difference in terms of, I guess, my, ambi my ambition and own sort of levels of self-motivation because, um, yeah, it's never been about pleasing someone else. It's been about, you know, what I want to do, I guess. Fantastic. Particularly, I think, your dad. I loved the stories about how supportive your dad was. Um, <laughs> you know, I, as a dad myself, yeah. it's like, uh, <laughs> it always comes back to me. <laughs> um, I loved that, how, how close you are to your dad and how, um, how, how supportive he's been of your career. Um, you say he's still the, the last person you speak to before you go out to play. Is that still true? Yeah, yeah it's still true. Um, I actually played on on Sunday a few days ago and yeah still the last person I speak to um is dad uh, he still coaches me too so whenever I'm at home he'll throw some cricket balls to me down at the local nets and I think it just like there's lots of reasons like we've obviously shared it he's the one that showed me how to play the game um he's been there from the start but I think to me as well it just simplifies everything because um you know chatting to dad about cricket kind of takes away anything else that's I guess been laid onto it um the further I've gone along and um you know I guess the higher levels you play there's lots of other things that sort of come with that um all of which are great and um you know I really enjoyed all, all those experiences but at the very heart of it and I guess the essence of why I've always played is because I've shared that with my my family and in particular dad so I guess like chatting to him about it um is yeah it's kind of like a really nice feeling just before you go and play a game absolutely it's it's a real thing to aspire to i'm sure for kids growing up and also for dads trying to be better dads <laughs> um i i also thought it was um you brought up the freedom that has come during your career to a certain extent of 
paid positions in female sport mm -hmm. and I wondered if we could talk a bit about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Well, when I first started, which is, um, yeah, a little bit over a decade ago, um, my first ever tour with the Australian, um, Australian team was like all the, all the other players in the team were, you know, either working full or part-time or studying um, and they, they sort of very much had other occupations outside of playing sport. Um, whereas, you know, fast forward... 10 years or 12 years time and um, now particularly at an Australian level but even at a domestic level basically all cricketers um, full-time paid professional athletes and it's pretty amazing to see that transformation and to have been a part of it it's been um, absolutely incredible and it's been in incremental and sort of built on some really strong foundations but um, yeah it's just it's just amazing to see the opportunities are now available and like that's sort of happened concurrently across another a number of other codes of sports mm. in the country yeah, and for talking lots about of other female athletes yeah uh, they were just talking about it on the radio last night about that the um the football yeah and the matildas matildas are almost they're almost hopefully getting to sign to be get equal pay to the to the socceroos yeah yeah which would be fantastic yeah, oh, it is. And, and far too late. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I think, um, <laughs> to use a cliche, That's right, all we can good say things that. come to yeah. people who wait. But as I said, I think it's been built on a really solid foundation and there's probably a reason why it's sort of all happening at the moment is because there's a real demand and drive for it and people are really interested in following yeah. and being supporters of women's sport. Um, you know, I think they've realised it's a great product. People turning in on, uh, sorry, tuning in on TV and broadcast and media and all those things. So... Um, it's just a really great time to be a part of it. Fantastic. And it, gi it gives you the opportunity to concentrate it on a way, in a way that men's sport has has been able to for a long time. So yeah. it professional, it automatically professionalises, which I think is something that people sell short of the idea <laughs> of sports people being paid to do what they do. Yeah, and it, it has a direct, um, you know, impact on I guess the quality of, of cricket or soccer or whatever sport it may be, AFL. Um, NRL, rugby, like it has a direct effect on the product that athletes are able to put out because you just get to spend more time working on your craft. So mm. I think it's really improved um, the standard of play and, um, you know, what our female athletes are capable of. Mm. And did that have an impact in any way on on your decision to um, putter out of, <laughs> I think <laughs> the way you describe it is like slowly peter out <laughs> yeah. of your so of soccer. Backed back into the shadows. <laughs> is that like Homer Smoke Simpson bomb. meme where he just like backs back <laughs> into right. the shadows? <laughs> um, yeah, no, not really. I think it just sort of naturally played its course. But um, in saying that as well, like it, I don't think it would be possible to play two sports um, in that way at the moment and or again because of just how professional it is now and the time demands on on athletes mm. and you know it's the fact that we, like we do sign contracts that are like full time so yeah. you, you can't feasibly do anything else so um yeah like selfishly i it was awesome playing two sports but also from a, a broader perspective it's been amazing to see that change and the fact that it's not possible at least for me anymore is really, really actually great. a good news story yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it is a good news story um I, I would love to keep chatting to you because <laughs> I think it's a really fascinating read and um, really oh, uh, well worth reading for anyone listening. But um, we do have to cut it short. <laughs> but um, I do ask, want to oh, ask one, one, one other question. Yeah. Okay, this, yeah, is, right. this question is not a serious question at all. It's just one of the things you mentioned in, the, in, in your book is about mm. how much you love when you go somewhere new finding coffee places. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you had what – is, what is, would be your like, top pick for what's the best coffee? Where oh, was it? Um, 
Best ever coffee I've had, I reckon, is Coffee Alchemy in Marrickville. Ah. Yeah, oh, it was early days. Great when for our listeners. First... A lot of them could actually go there and try the coffee <laughs> yeah, themselves. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> It's cool. not somewhere in India or <laughs> a bit further away. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it was like one of my first experiences with coffee. Um, and it was sort of like the maker of coffee at the time. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I've really ever topped that. But there's, <laughs> gosh, um, there's so many in Australia now. Um, and it's funny, no matter where I've been in the world, I reckon I've found a cafe run by Australians, Australians yeah, too. 100%. 100%. Which are Australians when you're overseas anyway. So, um, yeah, I think we rule, We definitely rule the coffee world. Maybe that can be the next book. <clears throat> coffee. <laughs> coffee tour with the least. Coffee tour of, of the world. <laughs> Impossibly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, And you can buy Perspective uh, from Booktopia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.